0: Welcome to the Concrete Podcast, where we talk all things concrete, featuring your host, Brandon Gore. So what do you want to talk
1: about for our first conversation?
0: That's a good question. I don't know. I was just concrete in general. (laughs) I'm Brandon
1: Gore. I'm the host of the Concrete Podcast, and I'm here with my co-host John Schuler. And John Schuler is now a partner of Kodiak Pro, and uh, part of that partnership. Shut up. And part of that, (laughs) (laughs) and part of that partnership is John handles tech support, and he's also helping uh, refine our mix and uh, other products further. And so a big part of that is Maker Mix. It's kind of the cornerstone of the Kodiak Pro line. And so, John, you
0: want to talk about Maker Mix? Sure. Maker Mix. And yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, I've been involved in this industry for 20 some odd years. And it's, I think it's just uh, exciting to see that the mix come along with, how did you describe it? A Swiss army knife, right? Swiss army yep. knife of mixes. Yeah, it's its pretty amazing. So you know, I've seen so many. I think a lot of underst- misunderstandings about what concrete is and what versions of concrete can be used, right? I mean, we've all seen them—the acronyms that run around: GFRC, ECC, which fibers. But um, so maker mix, wow, incredibly dense, uh, multifunctional. Guys right. You spray it, cast it, uh, whatever workability that you're looking for, it can be created without having a shot full of various admixtures that are supposedly dedicated for only creating certain monks or certain uh, mixes and functionalities. So no, it's a uh, maker mix. It's exciting. Uh, I
1: think so uh, maker mix. I mean, you brought up different acronyms: GFRC, yeah. ECC. Uh, Maker Mix would be considered a UHPC. Do you want to talk about what UHPC stands for?
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, UHPC, the Ultra High Performance Concrete. That's the, um, kind of the acronym they throw out there for the kind of concretes that run 20,000, or actually I think it's like 18,000 plus considered UHPC. High density uh, most of your UHPCs, um, high fiber function, use the metal fibers, PVA fibers, but the, the big advantage of ultra high performance concrete is used everything from structural now, high durability. I guess that's ultimately where they're seeing the UHPC mixes is high durability mixes compared to the things that are used in, you know, footings and driveways and such.
1: Yeah. And why would that be beneficial for guys doing, you know, decorative artisan concrete sinks, countertops, tile, things like that?
0: Well, from my point of view, I mean, that's a good question from my point of view, which this has been my point of view, as long as I've been involved in this artisan thing is, uh, you know, the, the higher, the density, the mix the higher the resistance of the mix to, you know, let's say the the normal things that have problems with concrete that we know of, you know, um, shrinkage. Let's just talk about that for a minute. You know, an ultra high performance concrete is designed, it's really around its ability, let's just for one thing, not to shrink. And where does that shrinkage leaves to a lot of problems in our industry from if you're making a uh, countertop you certainly don't want it to curl if you were making a comp the countertop a certain size you don't want it shrinking to that size project i just finished up uh, uh, where a cast in place project right up against cabinets and so forth and you certainly don't want it shrinking and leaving a, a gap there between let's say the refrigerator cabinet and the countertop itself so the ultra high performance, it, it fits a function for our industry. Let's say again, I'm gonna as you said the Swiss Army knife is lack of shrinkage, high density, less dependency on sealing technologies, specifically coating technologies or and long-term durability. Where? Yeah, and it would of, increase flexural be
1: be beneficial as well for thin shell furniture or tile.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question at all. because right? <laughs> none of us want to be let's just talk about it as owning a shot. I don't I, if I ever have to like the old days carry around something you know two inches three inches thick unless I designed it that way for a certain look, no, I mean, yeah, you want the kind of strength where you can create you know the maximum out of the minimum. And that's, that's where your UHPCs point. comes in, Yeah. Cool. All right.
1: Well, we'll continue the conversation about UHPC and the benefits of it on the next podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk with Tommy Hearn and uh, discuss his business and trials and tribulations. And so let's get Tommy on the phone. All right. So my guest today is Tommy Hearn and uh, we got Tommy on the line. Tommy, how are you doing, buddy?
2: Man, I'm doing great. Best day ever, right? That's what I hear every day, (laughs) every day. (laughs) Um, So tell us about you, Tommy, where are you located
1: and what do you do specifically?
2: Um, I'm located in Tennessee city is where I reside. My shop's in Dixon, which is probably 45 minutes west of Nashville. Gotcha. And Dusty used to be in Dixon back in the day. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I, I'm, off the same exit that he used to live on so um sort of in the same area he moved further away and I don't blame him (laughs) how did you get into concrete what led you to that um well I initially I was working for myself doing tile and just it wasn't really filling the tank anymore and I was looking online and I saw a picture of a table that uh was visually it was really impressive and as someone who likes to make things, I was really interested. And I was like, I want to figure out how to do this. And so I started looking online for concrete classes and came across one. And um, a friend of mine mentioned to me that he had seen something the week before on Tennessee Crossroads talking about a guy that lived in Burns, which was, you know, 20 minutes away from where I was. And he did it. And I, I was like, what's his name? And he said, Dusty. And I was like, Dusty Baker. And he was like, yeah, I, was like, man, I know that guy. So I went to Dusty's. house. I called him and I was like, hey, can I come by and talk to you? And he's like, yeah, for sure, man. So I went by and uh, was kind of picking his brain about this class. And it so happened to be one that he had been to before. And he, you know, was like, listen, he said, I'm not necessarily telling you you should go to my class. But he said, save your money and time. And I wouldn't go to that one. And I, I didn't realize that he was part of a your school. And he explained to me that there was a class coming up and um, I was all in. And so I went to the class and get, you know, just fell in love with it and yeah. uh, went back to doing tile. And maybe a few months later, Dusty had his accident where he fell off the ladder and. I had happened to have uh, a conversation with one of the guys that worked with him at the time. And he told me about what happened. And so I called Dusty and I was like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I've got to hire somebody like immediately. And I was like, I'll be there tomorrow. And so um, I went and the next day was working there and, you know, it just, it worked out perfectly.
0: Good for you. Trial by fire, huh? That's awesome. Yeah.
2: L- look, I knew that uh, if if it was something that I wanted to do. I knew that I loved every part of it. You know what I mean? From the design part of it, to building the form, to finishing out the concrete, to, to installing it. And just the entire process was, every part of it I, I looked forward to. And I was like, I've got to find a way where I'm doing this every day. You know, sure. and, and and so that opportunity presented itself and I could help a friend and learn. And I was like, it's it's the perfect scenario. And so I, I jumped on it for sure and was happy to do it.
1: I think I hear your hey. dog
2: in the background. Yes, I do. What's his name? Uh, uh, well, this is not Marley. This is another uh, dog, a friend of mine, uh-huh. the friend that I had to go to to connect to the Wi-Fi. Yeah, Marley. He's he's an awesome
1: dog. He's a big pit bull, super sweet.
2: Oh, he's he's the best. He is. Yeah. He would redefine uh, what a pit bull is to most people. They see him and they're instantly scared, and then taken back by how friendly he is. Yeah, yeah it's super, super sweet. Uh, Man, how so, long
0: you been in? And I'm sorry, I'm How long you been right. in business, Tommy?
2: Um, I as far as like on my own, I had my first shop in August of 2019, um, and was still busy doing tile. So I really didn't get an opportunity to spend any time in there. And Mm. then lucky for me, COVID happened and lockdown went down and my tile business went, it bottomed out and no, because nobody was wanting people in their house, you know? And so I was like, well, i'm not going to sit on the couch so i was like i'm going to go to my shop every day and just you know just do what i love to do and try to come up with different ways to do it and just be creative because i didn't have i didn't have big jobs to do i was just playing around and trying to get good at finishing out concrete and uh, I've, it's it's not necessarily the size of the piece it's just learning how to take it from powder to a finished product regardless of the size the step is the same you know and so i tried to focus on that but also really be creative in the things that i was making
1: that's awesome so when you got started um you were using buddy roads products correct
2: i was i was i was using um the admix and gotcha you know uh It was what I learned on. So it was, you know, it was really the only thing that I knew that was available. It was either that, or they had a, uh, basically an add water and fiber mix. Uh, and I messed with that a couple of times and it set up on me way too fast. And I was scared of it because it almost set up in dusty's mixer one time. (laughs) And And I was like, I I was, I was too scared to go down that road again. So I went back to what I knew, which was the ad mix where you had to, I didn't realize what, how much hustle there was involved in trying to track down the Portland and then get the sand because they're never located in the same place and they're never close to where I am either. And uh, it became harder and harder to find the white Portland and, that really if you can't find the white portland you're really limited in what you can do color wise and yeah, true um that's why and i'm really, go ahead
1: well say Covid's wreaked havoc with that even for us on the manufacturing side just getting a right. consistent supply of sands and portland yeah. it's yeah, it's really difficult absolutely. and uh on the local distributor level like where you are trying to find somebody that keeps white marble sand in stock it's probably pretty hard to do absolutely
2: yeah, that's, uh, that's not even one that's really available. It's just this, uh, it's a fine white sand that is more, it, it's finer than your playground sand, but it's not a, like a white marble sand, that, which would, I would love to be able to have access to at the time. I don't need it anymore because I've switched over to something that I feel like is way better in so many different ways. You know what I mean? Well, it's I wanted to talk so about much, that. So go for it. you're using Buddy Roads products.
1: But at some point, you made the switch to Maker Mix from Kodiak right. Pro. Right. What? A. Why did you make the switch? What? What caused you to move from one product to another?
2: Um, well, to answer that question, it was my, my first real experience with it was after the class that you had this past year. I think it was what maybe in February. Yep. That was really the first time I'd ever seen it in action and um, got to to right and got to put my hands in it and on it and see how easily it mixes, comparatively speaking, to the other. Because before I bought a mixer, uh, uh, an Imer, I was mixing with a double mixer, like a double paddle, and Uh. it would beat you up because that stuff was so it would clog up so quickly, you know, and, and you had to, a lot of times either you would end up over plasticizing or adding too much water to make it workable when you're using it like that, because in that scenario, those paddles create more friction. And so it sets up that, that chemical reaction off to where the concrete wants to set up quicker on you. So you know, and I have I've mixed several batches with the makers mix with the double paddles and I don't have that issue. I love nice. you made, know what I mean. It's
1: yeah. So you made the switch for workability issues.
2: You That's found one be, reason for sure. Um, gotcha. And then what other benefits have you have you found? Um, the other benefits I found is it's just it's I really like the ease of when I'm when it comes to putting things together you don't have to batch things out. It's, it's such a time saver. It really is. And um, it just makes things so much more user friendly in the beginning process of getting everything batched out and ready to go. It just saves a lot of time. Then less, less option for error as far as putting in too much or too little of the ad mix too much or too little sand or, you know, running into, you know, not being able to match the sand and if you've only got X amount and you have to switch over to something else and you have to do that in the middle of a mix. I mean, that could be extremely noticeable. And so yeah. just having the, the consistency of outcome guaranteed is it's so it's one of the main reasons that I switch because I know every time this stuff is I can count on exactly what's going to happen every time I do it and it hasn't failed me yet.
0: Well, one thing I've noticed and I I mean, and I've, maybe I'm on the wrong page here, but I've seen a lot of your stuff on Instagram, by the way, um, and, and the work you've been, well, at least taking pictures of, man, you're doing some really nice stuff. Some, Thank some you. good things coming out of your shop. So yeah, this, this time has uh, worked well for you. Uh, it looks like the quality. You know, I, I mean, I, I hate to use that word, but uh, your pieces look a lot clean, you know, like, or maybe more refined. Is that, in your opinion, solely due to your skill or the materials you're using as well?
2: I, I feel like um, what, what I've noticed is that uh, I like the options based on the charts that you supply. To how to achieve the different mixes that is for me that's a that's a game changer because it it really allows me to control the outcome depending on what it is that I need to to be the outcome you know what I mean whether I need it to be like super clean like corners and edges and everything needs to fill in perfectly so I can do that as a an ECC mix or add a little bit more to make it a little more fluid to where it fills in perfectly. Or, um, I have done the clay mix here recently the last few and, uh, and it worked out perfect for the situations that I needed it to. And, okay. you know, it's just, it's nice to be able to have the, the control, you know what I mean? Cause that's, yeah. that's so important because I look for projects that are never the same. You know what I mean? I look for things that are going to constantly push me to be better and to think outside the box. And your product allows me to do that confidently. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So now that you've had a couple years of really kind of refining your skill set, what's the next thing that you want to become better at in relation to concrete?
2: Hmm. Well, I tell you this, what I have learned, like the the side of concrete that I was initiated in was the ECC side, mm-hmm. meaning it was um, there was some attention to detail that was put into the forms, but it's also hand finished out. Um, and that process is a, a, a really important part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm really interested in the technique that you do, where it's more of SCC and all so much attention goes into the form building. And so that when you pour it in, it's perfect. I'm, I'm intrigued by that because I just don't have, um, enough experience in it. It's something that I want to work on for sure. And it's, it's things, it's things like that, where I encourage the designers to be creative, you know what it is they're wanting to do and how they can use concrete. Um, sure. Think outside sure, yeah. the countertop. You know what I mean? That's what right. I encourage them to do. Yeah, yeah. Nice. it's all
1: time. It's all time. Whether the time is on the end game hand carving and and doing all the cool stuff that Dusty's look well, uh, is with the colors. Yeah, and whatnot, or, all of that
2: stuff, man. It all in, intrigues me. I want to learn yeah. it all. You know what I mean? That is something that um, it's. I want to learn every skill I'd love to. You know what I mean? I want to get into spray GFRC too. I, no, I would don't. be. No? I, I think no. just having that that tool so that if I need it, I can pull it. I'm not saying I want to make a living doing it, but I'd like to be able to know how to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like those monks. No no, 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 no. It's like those
1: monks that wear the clothes that are itchy all the time, so they're never comfortable. That's what that's what spray and concrete is. It's okay. not a tool that you want. It's scratchy underwear. You don't want that.
2: Uh, yeah, well, you're right about that.
1: Um, I spent – I taught the first class on GFRC where we sprayed it, and I spent years and years doing it, and I can tell you it's a world of pain. It's a world of pain, and all you're going to do is go down that, and you're think, man, this has got so many benefits to it. But then every third piece comes out in such a way that you have to recast it. Right. You start looking at your life of like I can't be profitable if I'm recasting 30 percent of my pieces, That's and that if I make this piece – a month later from this piece, they'll never match up. I can't put them side by side. They won't look the same. Um, it's just so much downsides of spraying. Uh, a lot of guys still do it. A lot of guys think that's the only way to do GFRC, but I'm telling you, it's the, the downsides outweigh the upsides with spray right. with concrete, in my opinion.
2: Well, yeah, I would, I say would too, trust Tom. you,
0: Tommy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you came a different route, which, you know, is a lot better. I mean, I don't want to put anybody down, but I think a lot of your guys that are still doing these spray, you know, these steps, you know, the, the mixing in a five gallon bucket, hopper spray, boom, backer, you know, watching this, you know, that's, um, there was a time I can't remember how long ago we all thought, "Whoo, my goodness, that is so cutting edge, right?
1: Well, 17 and, years ago. Right, right.
0: And, and now, you know, looking at that, when I see guys going through those steps, there's a side of me that just goes, oh, wow, you just you've yet to step into the 20th century. What happened? How did you get stuck there? Um, Now, there might be some situations where, you know, some big, massive pieces, I guess, you know, those kind of steps may fit versus making, you know, a two part mold or whatever the case may be. But honestly, right. I can't think of many situations, if any, where going through that, that kind of old technology surpasses or is anywhere near what can be achieved today with right. where things are at. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt that. I feel, sure. I feel like yeah.
1: Walter in, uh in The Big Lebowski, just you know, yelling, yeah. you're entering a world of pain.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Market well, Zero. I, I,
2: I, I, I <laughs> you guys are part of the the trio that I consider along with Dusty that are my mentors. You know what I mean? I mean you guys are the ones that that I felt like the minute that I started the class and ever since I've attended every other one, the I've never been to another concrete class, so I can't speak of it, but what I can speak of is my experience with the concrete design school and it is it's like the minute you start the course, it's la familia, man, and to the point where, at the end of it, you're you're meeting all kinds of different people from all over the world, and they all share this passion for concrete and how it allows them to express their creativity, unlike any other medium that I'm aware of, and you know, at, at Dusty always is telling people. If you can make time, you're welcome to come here. I'll teach you can you can shadow me, you can learn, stay as long as you can afford to stay. I mean, yeah. I doubt there are any other concrete schools out there that have instructors that go out of their way to connect with each and every student, like you guys do. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it's it's a community unlike anything I've ever been a part of. Well, it's definitely. I, dealing,
0: I mean, comparatively speaking, I'm going to agree with you. And that's the those that are part of Concrete Design School. You're you're dealing with guys, and, and this has been their passion. They have the experience. They've been doing it for years. You know, I'm not going to knock on any of the other offerings out there. But the one thing you can definitely say, comparatively speaking, is anybody who's associated with the design school has, if not thousands, tens if not hundreds of thousands of hours of hands-on practical experience. And that's what's coming to the table. Not somebody either maybe standing behind their degree or, you know, Hey, I, I just started a shop yesterday. And so now I'm going to start telling you how to do it. I mean, it's an entirely different animal. These are guys with a passion for it and, and yep. the experience and the years and years and years of experience behind it. That makes a difference in my opinion. For
2: sure. Uh, it's a huge resource for someone that's just getting into that career field because it allows you what, what the school does with one, the class that you go through, but then two, the connections that you make afterwards, it allows you to speed up the learning curve and bypass the speed bumps that otherwise, if you're trying to figure it out on your own, that you're going to run into, you know what I mean? You have guys that are they sit and wait for people to ask questions on those message boards and are and happy to share and help out in any way they can with any type of form building questions, material questions, ceiling questions, anything. Mm. Both you two are always accessible on Instagram or Facebook for any kind of questions like that. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, it's a huge resource and, yeah. and, and i um, it, what it allows people to do, is they can start following these people and especially with the ones that are making a transition from a career field that has nothing to do with building things. Now it gives them an opportunity to follow people who do it for a living. And I'm a big believer. And if you can see it, you can be it. And so it just, it shows them, if you continue to take steps towards this goal, you, we, you can make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just don't give up and you just keep Pushing forward, and you redefine to everyone who you are and what you do. Excellent, yeah,
1: really well put. Way better put than I than I could put it. So,
2: <laughs> you know what I was going to say
1: is, um, you know, John's talking about the experience that that we have, Dusty and John and myself, and really what that experience is when we teach a class, we're teaching how to do things from the perspective of we've done it the wrong way for so long in so many different iterations of that that we've mm-hmm. learned don't do this uh but we went through thousands of hours of the way not to do it to arrive at the way to do it and so when we teach a class there's a lot of a lot of failure behind it in the sense of we know this doesn't work and so when we we're talking about spraying concrete just kind of bring it back to that is uh i know a lot of guys see it and i think it's exciting but as somebody that did it for you know close to a decade running a business right. that way uh you know there's no I, I don't make any money i don't have stock and and spray equipment, uh, <laughs> right. or anything like that. Um, and I don't have a company that sells equipment that competes with spray equipment, uh, so right. I don't have a dog in the race beyond the point of I've been down that road, and it's no way to run a business. Sure, um, you might be able to to do fun things and do things for your your own projects that are interesting, but if you're trying to be profitable, it's it's a really difficult way to do it. Well, cool.
2: from what I hear from you, the failure rate's pretty high. And so, again, yeah. that's another thing that I like about the Kodiak, the Maker's Mix, is that the failure rate is, at this point, I haven't had one. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's extremely reliable. You know what I mean? It does what I need it to do every time I mix it up.
1: That goes back to doing things the wrong way and learning what not to do. And so, you know, Kodiak Pro came about from a place of necessity, unfortunately. The yeah. products that were on the market that I was using, that you were using, that Dusty was using, everybody was using. And it, it's been different companies over the years, but all those products always had an Achilles heel of some sort that created right. problems. And those problems add up. Those problems cost you money. Those problems um, hurt your reputation in the industry with, with your clients um, for different reasons. So Kodiak Pro came from a place of failure of of all these things that were giving us trouble trying to, Trying to uh, create something that had less problems. Right. You know, nothing's 100% perfect, but John and I are striving to make this as close to perfect as we can from usability, workability, durability, sealing technology, color fastness, um, yeah. flexural strength. All these things we're we're trying to like you know sharpen the razor as sharp as we can get it and, and get it as good as we can get it um, because we know what it's like to work with products that don't perform the way you need them to. Right.
0: Well, or and and along that same line are not backed by people that either don't use the products at all. I mean right. there's so many pro you know I mean regardless of what we're talking about there are so many products out there that are essentially built and put together in a formula by somebody maybe behind a desk or in a lab and then that gets passed off to a, I don't know maybe some salesman of some sort and create a tech sheet and so right. the the best information that you may get from them is coming from some salesmen who's never used it,
2: Right. never than, made anything.
0: <laughs> never made anything, never had to stand behind it, you know. Yeah. Um, never put a said, never
1: put a piece in that cracked or that stained and right. you have to explain why and you have to fix it and you have to understand right. what went wrong. They've right. never had that experience. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that goes for the rest of them as we just talked about training. I mean, you're going to see some of these products that I see have been offered by people and this is, you know, maybe it is a they went hear this podcast and think it's a downer, but I see products that are being supported, if you will, by people, individuals and companies that have never been in our shoes. And what I'm saying mean is that when I took this to a client who gave me a paycheck, which was going towards my mortgage, I had a responsibility for that product that, I mean, you know, I have to stand behind it. There's an obligation there. There's a responsibility there. And so one of my difficulties is seeing companies out there that are selling products to this industry who's never, never had to put themselves in that spot. They basically hand that responsibility off to the person they're sold the product to. And if it worked or didn't work, just well, geez, you probably didn't use it right. The right. great thing here is <laughs> if something didn't fall into place like it should have, again, you got tens of thousands of hours of experience to bring that to fruition. Because, hey, been there, saw that. Yep, hey, Tommy, do this. This yep. is what you need to do. Hey, to not sit back and you know find every reason to point a finger of what you did wrong and then basically, I don't know, what's the text sheet say? What is the... Can you read me line 14 again?
2: Right. And you sit on hold for 30 minutes waiting to talk to somebody who maybe knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, in the big companies,
1: they, they don't know, unfortunately, because the people they have doing tech support are just tech support people that sit right. essentially behind phones all day. That's the right. other benefit of what me and John uh, partnering up with Kodiak bring to the table is John mainly handles tech support. Uh, but when somebody calls and they have questions, John is the go-to resource for the industry for these types of things. And so he's, he's worked with these products more than anybody else. He developed so many of the products over the years that, uh, have been adopted by the industry. Um, and so when somebody has a problem, they're talking to somebody that actually knows what they're talking about and they're not just looking through a binder and saying, Oh, you have a crack. Did you do this? It's like, yeah. Uh, no, bro. I mean, it's, it's, you know, 10, 10 more levels down of problem solving to find out what the root of the problem is. Um, but you have to know what you're doing. But I think what John hit on, what John hit on is super important is when, when we, uh, make a product for a client, we're responsible regardless of the product we use. It's on us. It's our reputation. That money, as he said, goes to your mortgage. It goes to feed my kids. It goes into savings for their college someday. Um, and if it's a product that, uh, peels off that, um, falls apart and those kind of things that hurts my reputation as a company and hurts my business. And so, um, you know, there, there's a certain amount of, um, obligation we feel to, to make the best product possible. So guys can feel confident when they make a piece for a client that they're giving them the best thing that they can
2: give them. Agreed. And stand uh, behind
0: it and know the reasons why.
2: Yeah, And I completely trust you guys based on just my personal experience with you and, and then understanding John's background in chemistry and realizing that he, he understands the product in, in a far deeper way than most people ever will, you know, and that's on a, a, like, I just, as far as the elemental compounds of the product itself and how all of that stuff works together, not to mention he uses it on a daily basis, you know what I mean? So, um, it's easy after you meet you after I've met you and been around you and see how you run your business and how you operate with people and how you interact with all of the students that have that are new and those that have been there and done that and come back for more it's it is it's you know it was the way that I tried to build my business. It's the way that I kind of modeled it. You know what I mean? I didn't have anything else to build it off of other than what I was exposed to. And between you guys and dusty, that was how I tried to model, you know, how I interact with people and, and try to create something that I'm proud to have in someone else's house. And, you know, I put everything that I've got into it and I, you guys were a great, mentoring group that just allowed me to kind of tap into that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's been a great experience yeah for sure it's funny
0: yeah
1: it's funny uh you saying that i was thinking about i the the only class i ever took uh but how i got into this industry was i took buddy rhodes very first class it was Mm -hmm. me and one other attendee it was the very first class he ever did and i bought buddy rhodes first palette of mix Nice. I was customer number one in the system
2: and it was a shit show, but that's a whole other story <laughs> for different day. But, right. um, Hey, concrete's come a long way, man. It has come a long way. Yeah. and You guys are leading it. You know what I mean? With the stuff that you're, the way that your mix is made, it's it, I think it outperforms everything out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's by design.
1: Well, so what happened with buddy is I went to his, his shop and his shop was, I want to say like 11,000 square feet it was in downtown San Francisco, like on the ocean, beautiful shop, huge. I think he had like 35 employees, had a full-scale mixing plant in his shop. It was like mm-hmm. ants work, and he probably had 50 to 70 tables set up wow. in the shop. His polishing area was an actual um, a loading bay, like a, a loading well that trucks back into. They put grating across it, and they had tables set up, and they were just water polishing, all the waters gotcha. running down. Huge setup. and yeah. I. Went from that back to a 1,200-square-foot shop in Tempe, Arizona, and there was no scalability because <laughs> all I'd been exposed to was 11,000 square feet, 35 employees, huge mixing plant, and I'd never seen any other working shop that wasn't that size. Right. And so the first, I don't know, four or five years of my existence in the industry was just trying to figure out how do I make this work in a small space. Um, But that's the benefit of coming to our classes, whether it's my shop or Dusty Shop or John Shop, when we do a class, is you see things at a more appropriate scale for what most of us do. Most right, of yeah. us don't have eleven thousand square feet and thirty-five employees, yeah. um, so it's it's much more relatable, and that in, that information and in that um, example is more uh, valuable and relevant um, as part of that training experience.
2: Yeah. No, I absolutely.
0: I mean, I, that's uh, very. I first started in a in a single bay of a three-car garage. <laughs> That's yeah, where I started. you You do yeah. what you
2: got to do to to get the the wheels turning, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Whatever it takes to create Agreed. momentum. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was great.
2: Yeah. So, awesome. yeah. Good man. Well, I'd, Tommy. Yeah.
1: I was going to say it's been really great talking to you. Yeah, I uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, we'll follow up here soon, I'm sure. In the next few months, we'll do a follow-up interview and kind of see how things are going to make or mix and what you like, what you don't like, what we can improve on, and okay. we'll keep the conversation going.
2: Yeah, that sounds great. And then I'll plan on seeing you. What's the next class? November, right? November
1: 1st through 6th, Eureka okay. Springs, the pinnacle yeah.
2: concrete class. Yeah, so I will yeah. see you there. I'll do everything I can to make that happen. I, I love going to those classes and and hanging with you guys. It's such a great time. Great time. Awesome. And buddy. again,
0: love seeing your stuff. Even posting on Instagram and stuff, it was today, right? You just put up something for some tables you either
2: created or you're going to create something oh, like that. Oh, um, right? that was a post that I did a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was uh, some uh, for some tables that I had made. I just uh, recently right. finished up. Yeah, that was a fun one. That was a that was a fun project. I'm, they're all fun, man. I I look for the ones that are outside the box. You know what I mean? I yeah. really do. I I encourage it out of my designers.
1: Excellent. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Uh,
2: Perfect. Talk to you guys later. Have a great day.